This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, Club Scouts. It's Michael McMillan here, and I want to start the show with a couple Patreon shoutouts for the week. I want to thank Adam Underwood and Amanda Newman for joining our Patreon campaign. Uh, you can check that out at www.patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And this Friday, May 18th, will be the second installment of our Bigfoot Movie Club. We're going to be watching The Legend of Boggy Creek with special guest Pete Gardner, your favorite guy from the very first episode. So join us on Friday. Check out our Patreon campaign. Thank you so much. And it's time for the show. <laughs> it's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to Pete Gardner. Yeah. Ooh, we're going to see him tonight. Night. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be good. But that's another show, guys. Yeah, that's right. That's guys, a, that's this a special. Is, this is Bigfoot Collectors Club. This is the main show right now. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With you always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And your producer, Riley Bray. And uh, if you don't know, this is a show where we share stories of high strangeness with celebrity guests and get to know their personal paranormal history. Yep. Uh, this is part two of our totally lame two-parter. Last week we had Elizabeth Lame, who is co-host of the Totally Lame podcast. And this week we have her co-host. <laughs> and uh, He's of, of Totally Lame and the on Massive Hiatus, Totally Beverages and Sometimes Hot Sauce, which is a great show. Ooh. And uh, he's a music producer. He's an amazing guy. Uh, he is uh, inspiration for me in the podcasting world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andy Rosen. Yeah. What's up? Hey. Ooh. Thanks for having me, guys. Dr. Oh, Rosen yeah. Rosen. I'm very excited to be here. Dude, uh, so Liz was saying last week that um, she came in and she was like, I have some stories, but then Andy told the stories, and I realized they were all Andy's stories. I know. She was going to jack your stories. No, I, yeah, I had mentioned that to her, too, because I was like, you're going, like, don't take all my stories, <laughs> which she likes to do. This is like, because you guys are married. Yes. Um, if we haven't established that already. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, does your marriage predate 
your podcast partnership? Did you meet in a podcast and fall in love? I know the answer. Yeah, to this that's question. how it always happens. That's what's happening with me and Riley. Oh, that's <laughs> hey, a beautiful podcast, podcast news, everybody. <laughs> we're both in relationships, but slowly we're discovering our love for one another. It happens on a podcast all the time, right? Yeah. It's like those uh, on set relationships, right? Yeah. It's like uh, I wonder if there's been any celebrity podcast hookups. Uh, we could certainly uh, inquire about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the tapes just stop rolling yeah. and like. Oh, that's interesting. And then people get it on. Could that happen though? Like you're an actor, you've been on set a lot, and I'm. Uh, I imagine you've uh, maybe danced in one of those type of relationships. Could it happen so Ooh. quick on a podcast? Because a podcast, we're talking about a one-off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. You know, but but then again, I guess you and Riley I, I, that makes I more sense because you guys it, are here every it would episode have to together. Be long term, yeah, you know, it could just be a guest appearance. It's a yeah. slow simmer because yeah, yeah. Show, yeah. showmances <laughs> tend to be a slow burn. Okay, that's what that it's was my like. Question. You're hanging out on set for a while, then you maybe the cast goes and grabs some drinks, and then maybe you two are the the last two hanging out. And then you're like, hey, let's go get another drink. And then next very thing specific. you know. Next thing you know, you're having a three way in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hypothetically, of course. Oh, man. I miss those days of three ways Uh, in Vegas. Yeah, I know. Uh, So, Andy, uh, how's your week been? What's up? Anything weird happening in your life right now? You're in a new house. I'm in a new house. No uh, weird weirdness in the new house. No vibes. No vibes. Because you and your old place, you're in Elizabeth's old place, you guys had some vibes going on. Uh, Yeah, and vibes uh, kind of early on in our tenure at that house. Okay. Uh, and I, yeah, and then I think we took care of some of those vibes. All right, do you want to, let's yeah, dive right into that. This. We can let's, dig let's in. talk about Andy's personal paranormal history. Yes. Because um, I feel like you came loaded today. Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, and so we moved loaded, into. I mean, we can smell your breath. I'm sorry. Here. I'm we've, sorry. We've been meaning to say something. My wife also <laughs> asked me today, uh, I was, I was out in the studio working and I came inside and she's like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, have you been crying? And I was like, no. <laughs> And the only reason I'm saying that um, is just to make sure you guys don't think I've been crying. Oh, what? Uh, I like what sensitive guys. Triggered? Yeah. First of all, I think I've cried on this podcast before. <laughs> I know we've had some guests, so you're welcome to do it. Okay. But what? What was the? What signaled? She said it looks like I've been crying. Really? Yeah, and that's so I'm a little uh, worried that you guys might think I've been crying. No, no. Sh- not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, that's like something you can run with. Be like, you know, I was just. Uh, it's been a rough day, and could, you yeah. should have been like, I was just making some music <laughs> that is and so thinking sweet. about how much I love you. Yeah, right. oh God, there you go. And I got overwhelmed. She'd be like, Oh, Andy, <laughs> that's so. I feel like sometimes, and uh, in the relationship I'm in right now, I don't feel like there's any. There's like no pressure to be emotionally vulnerable in that relationship. In fact, I think my girlfriend is like, okay, you don't have to tell me all of this stuff. Oh, wow. Oh. I mean, she's great. She's awesome. But um, I feel like there's definitely, I've had girlfriends in the past that like would get so excited if I cried in a movie or should mm. they be like, oh, oh my yeah, God, yeah, yeah, look yeah. at you crying. I got one. Yeah. 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 So do, I was, feel like my wife's in that category. I kind of excited yeah. if she sees any waterworks brewing, yes, yes, any the, turmoil, <laughs> anything like, oh, I want to see this. Like, and I don't know if it's like, so I can tell my friends later about how much of a like little pussy you are, or I don't know what it is, but yeah, she loves it. Yeah. Cause it sounded like she was almost hopeful. Like, were yeah. you crying in there? Yeah. I just uh, love like you being in your studio just silently weeping what it would be about. I know. That's weird. Like she thinks that that would could even happen. 
I think you're. I mean, I guess it could happen, right? We've I, all cried. Oh my god, it's a good time to cry. You're married. I mean, uh, Bryce. So maybe that. I don't know, but maybe maybe you should have asked her if she's been crying. Maybe it was really about her feelings. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> when you point. go home tonight, she'd be like, "Hey, babe, were you crying? Yeah. Were you asking me because you'd been crying?" I don't know. It's like that white men can't jump thing with the the glass of water. Um, when I ask you if you want a glass of water, I want you to empathize with me because <laughs> I may also want a glass of water. Yes. Is that Rosie Perez? Yeah, that was my Rosie that Perez. That was a pretty good Rosie Perez impersonation. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, so let's get into your, yeah. your house. All right, so we moved from New York to L.A. about 10 years ago into a house in Silver Lake. Um, and just a, a nice little one-and-a-half bedroom place in Silver Lake. Kind of old. I'm going to guess 20s or 30s, maybe. Yeah. It's and got s- that bungalow feel. Yeah, so I guess it's a, bum- a bungalow. So to paint the picture right... Let's call my house House A. Right. To the right of that is House B. Yes. And then to the right of House B is C. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're all kind of relevant C in the story. Creepy? No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. Um, so we're living in House A. Our landlord lives in House B. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then House C is some neighbors, which creepy, will be relevant. Creepy neighbors. No, creepy. No, 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 no. So, uh, my initial, uh, what did you call it? Highly strange? High strangeness. High strangeness. Mm. Yeah. Happened, uh, we'd been there less than a year. I don't remember if it was a month, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and I was sleeping and I woke up and I looked to the right. I guess I saw my wife who sleeps to the right of me and then past her in the bedroom, I see a lady sitting in a chair, an older woman uh, sitting in a chair mm. and it was instantly one of the most like scared I've ever been in my life. Did you scream out? No. So you have to understand, and maybe Elizabeth talked about this, Elizabeth, she didn't bring us, she didn't no. talk about this stuff at all. So her, her history though, with just like, um, being scared is huge. So okay. I'm very sensitive not to scare her. Oh, if boy. that makes sense. We did not do a good job of being that <laughs> sensitive last, last week. And so my first response was I like, I see this lady and I'm like, holy shit, there's a lady sitting in a chair right there. Close my eyes. This can't be real. Open my eyes. Lady still, still there, there. And felt <sighs> uh, felt menacing. Like, mm. I don't know if evil is the right word, but like menacing and like, this is not a good lady. Right. Okay. Um, She's not baking cookies. And my thought was like to protect my like wife and not Tom wake Jones Elizabeth up. would not sing a song about her. <laughs> <laughs> This is not his kind of lady. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Exactly. Um, so uh, I'm just laying there and I keep trying to do like a double take and like lady is still there. Um, By the way, perfect time to practice a double take. Yeah. Yeah. When you're saying it um, But it, in my mind, I mean, it's important to the story. I don't want to scare Elizabeth. I don't want to tell her. So much so. So finally, the uh, incident kind of relieves itself, I guess you could say. Lady's gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did and you it, see her fade? No, I did not see her fade. It was more like closing my eyes, rolling around, looking the other way, and then coming back, and then finally she's gone. Oh, so you were just trying to sit in it. Yes, yes. Oof. And so mm. in the morning, though, I wake up, and I remember it uh, like, holy shit. 
And also I'm like, there's no way I'm telling Elizabeth because we're in this new house. Like I had the thought, I'm not telling Elizabeth about this. Uh, did not feel like a dream at all, in case any of you guys are, are wondering that. Uh, no, we mm. don't ever wonder that. We go straight to believing the guests. <laughs> yeah. so don't worry. We're a pretty easy bunch over here. Yeah. yeah. So uh, ghost, for sure. Ghost in the chair. Yeah, no doubt about we it. Are Confirmed. A hundred percent. So um, about a week or two weeks later, I have another experience in the house. Uh, this time I'm sleeping and I, I wake up and I see a guy hovering above me. Oh, mm. God. Now, there's a big difference this time, though. I okay. do not feel any menace. Eat right off the bat, I wake up and it's like, huh, but it's like, okay, this guy's not here to hurt me at all. There's no terror. Can you of. describe clothing? Absolutely. And okay. This is very important. Great. Hmm. So clothing wise, I would describe it, and I don't know. Uh, He's wearing a 1988 Bulls jersey. <laughs> no, some sort of military oh. uh, garb or something. Garb, and I'm gonna say like, modern. like no, no, not modern. Ooh. Like that's the problem. I don't know my military garb that well. Like, would you put it around the Civil War era? Yes, okay, for sure. Okay, mm. maybe Civil War, or maybe even like earlier than that. Maybe, but Civil okay. War I think is a good okay. reference point. Okay. So that that sticks with me, um, and white dude, yeah, white okay. dude. I would say he's probably in his forties, okay, maybe thirties, okay. Uh, he's hovering over me. Do a couple double cakes. He's still there, and then incident's gone. Uh, he just disappears. He's okay. not there any longer. Okay. I do not tell my wife. Again right? Yet. Oh my God. Wow, How do yeah. you? I can't stop thinking about both are of you, these incidents. Are you telling anyone? I've not told anybody. Oh my God, I'm so, freaking out. So I finally tell Elizabeth. I don't remember how much time had lapsed. It might have been like the day after the guy thing because like, I was okay, now freaking I'm out. A floating dude. Like we're in a haunted house. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember we were sitting on the couch and I said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And her mind, I mean, as she tells it, went to all these crazy places. Am I cheating on her? Yeah. Like all the stuff. Uh, it's just like, it's about, you're about to tell her you have brain cancer. Like, right, yeah. exactly. Uh, and I was like, I had like, I think kind of like a weird ghost experience in which she said like all the hairs on her, you know, neck stand up after I prefaced it with like, I need to talk to you about something. Right. So I give her the quick rundown of everything. Um, she's totally freaked out. Down. There's a woman in her room <laughs> and a guy floats over my bed. Yeah. And so paranoia in our house is kind of high. So okay. I'll leave it there just for a second. I'll try to get through the rest of us as quick as possible. So neighbor B is landlord to the right. Neighbor C, uh, is a great, um, uh, couple whose landlord happens to be a ghost hunter. Mm. <laughs> nice. Convenient. And so this is something that my wife had found out. Um, just chatting with the guy. Very, he's very forthcoming about it, but he's not around. He's the landlord of place C. Okay. Yeah. Um. So he's never really around. But my wife bumped into uh him once because they were doing work on the house. Okay. She's like, "That guy's a ghost hunter." And I was like, "No shit, that's fucking crazy. We got the ghosts." Um, but she didn't talk to him about the ghosts. So, long story short, seems like a little time passes. And I bump into the guy. There. Okay, bump in. I bump into the yeah, guy. Yeah, okay. So house A, my experiences. House B, my landlord. House C, ghost hunter. Ghost hunter. Right? So I run into him. We start chatting. Hey, nice work that you're doing on the house, whatever. <laughs> hey, are you 
a ghost hunter? <laughs> like my wife said, keep, you're I, a ghost hunter. I keep imagining him like coming back from work, like taking off his ghost equipment, like oh, yeah. long yeah. day on the field. He's just got a ghost back, just and long on day. His back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's like, yeah, and I was like, man, uh, that's so crazy. Before I say anything, he's like, lot of activity on this block. Oh Ooh. wow, and he goes. You know, the old lady that lives in the old man's house and points at my house. And I'm like, oh, shit. I have said nothing he except are you ghost about hunter? the woman? And he's like in the old man's house. And he was referring to my landlord who I found out used to live in our house. Okay. So mm. house B, he used to live in house A. Got right. It. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I was like, well, what about the old lady? And he's like, well, I see her a lot in the garden. Um, and she's old and she's unhappy. And I was like, Hey, I, I had an experience. And so I go into the whole story that I told you. Yeah. And he, without batting an eye is like, Oh yeah, that tracks. And that's her son. Mm. Whoa. So that's the son. So and this is this old lady clothing too. I didn't have any yeah. feel for that. Yeah. I mean, on some level, it's nice to get confirmation that you're not like, you know, losing your mind or yes, something. Exactly. And it's, and it just seems so crazy that. Yeah, the, the ghost hunter next door, you can confirm it. It felt very validating. Yeah, yeah totally. of course. So, I, I mean, that is a, a leap. If someone is, like, faking that shit, how they faked, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that just confirms everything for, for us in this room, I think. Mm -hmm. So my questions to him were the military garb. That was, like, okay. my first question. And I was like, so it's the son. And I was like, when I saw him, he was wearing this military uh uniform and it seemed like very old and i was like was he in the military and he's like well no not necessarily but often ghosts wear like what they wanted to be wait what wow this is what this guy tells me hmm. okay it gets even weirder and better i just got a vision of what my ghost will be <laughs> in like some fishnet shirt with rock and roll pants and an electric guitar yeah. there's a guitar god haunting <laughs> our house they're gonna, the people living in my apartment 20 years from now, because I'm expecting not to live much longer, I guess. Yeah, right. be like, some old weirdo in a Jedi costume right. is walking around. That's amazing. Um, so he's like, so he might not have been a military guy. He might have just like wanted to be. He's like, so ghosts can dress however they want. Well, I would assume. That's a first I've heard. I love that. Wow. But they're essence mm. is always who they were okay for example and i swear this was the example <laughs> he used if he was a child molester in real life he'd be a child molester ghost and i'm like whoa <laughs> slow down <laughs> why is that your go-to example right. you about need to change your go-to example <laughs> like, just off the top of my head like it was the weirdest, that the is weirdest super weird. example. I yeah. mean, it kind of drove home the point. Right. Dress however you want, but your essence. Also, right. what kind of ghost has this guy been hanging around? Yeah. 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 So um, we talk a little bit more. I like get his card. I'm thinking about like maybe I'll go. He does all these ghost hunting activities, uh, but I never really follow through on it. Um, was but, it because of the child molester comment? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> a little bit. It, it was very yeah, weird. A little bit. So... A little more time goes by, and uh, we have some friends over for dinner one night. And um, I haven't seen any ghosts yet, 
Elizabeth kind of thinks like some creepy stuff has happened. Like, I swear I felt someone walking behind me. Right. Um, but uh, nothing really happens. And we have some friends over for dinner one night. They leave. We later find out they know nothing about our ghost experiences. We later find out that our friend Becky, as she, she gets in the car with her husband to drive home and is like, hey, Brian, I saw a ghost in their house. And like saw a ghost walk down the stairs inside our house, freaked her out so much that she didn't tell us in the moment. She told her husband when she got in the car with him totally. and was like, do we tell them or is oh, that like wow. going to freak them the fuck out? And then so we found out later. She see the old much lady later, or the son? She saw a lady. Whoa. Dude, that's hardcore. Yeah, that so it, fe- I mean, it feels shit. it feels validated. So like, I'm I'm pretty open to all of this stuff. I feel like I'm in a very safe space with you guys. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, like those confirmations. The the sea uh, house landlord dude. Yeah, and then our friends. I'm just like, what the fuck? And so after all of that, I did go through, and you guys might even be able to tell me like, what are the best. Uh, actions you can take but like we did some of the like asking them very nicely like yeah hey um we'd appreciate it if you leave us the fuck alone yeah well Mm. and it's interesting too because the thing that it makes rings a bell for me is that you were how long in the apartment or the house before you had seen both of them like not very long i can't remember but maybe like within the first six months that we yeah i was gonna say so it sounds like they were checking you guys out because you were new tenants and then i think probably once they got used to you guys being around. You didn't see them as much, right? I mean, you didn't. Well, I don't know. One thing that I remember the ghost hunter telling me too is sometimes they one don't know that they're ghosts, right? We've we've touched upon this on the show a little bit, um, and then I feel like I, feel I think like, we talked there, about it with Elizabeth last mm-hmm. week. Actually. Is there another <laughs> example of this too? Like, are ghosts? Are there different theories of what ghosts are, or like? Yeah, I don't of course. Know. Well, we've talked about so the some of the theories are ghosts are actually the souls of the dead that are either stuck here on this plane for whatever reason. A lot of times, you know, when they say that we die and we see the the light at the end of the tunnel, there's poltergeists go towards the light, all that stuff. Um that uh that there are ghosts some ghosts are the souls of people that are scared of going on the other side of that light and and being judged they miss the jump to the uh the wrong place if they come from a christian upbringing especially a lot of these old-timey ghosts that are growing up in hardcore uh christian judeo-christian structures um, they think that some ghosts are like they were scared to be judged by God, so they stay they stay here. Then there are other ghosts that are still the souls of the dead, but they will come back from the other side oh. and visit their like old stomping grounds. They'd be like, Oh, I love that house or I love that garden, so I'm gonna go visit them, and then I'm gonna go back to the to the other side. A lot of people think that ghosts are like a biological imprint, something that revolves around a traumatic event. So like a murder that maybe resonates throughout the time stream. And then every now and then you'll get, it'll replay itself. Like it's an energy. Like yeah, it's like an a wave. energy imprint <clears throat> or like a wave Whoa. or something that was sort of recorded, recorded forever that you'll, you'll see every now and then. That's so crazy. there's not, it's not a soul. It's just sort of an echo of a person that was there or, or a traumatic event. But that doesn't explain a lot of like interactions with ghosts. No, I you mean, know? but the visitation ones would, or the ones that are yeah. uh, residual or a residential ghost, a residential ghost or resident ghost is one that is there all mm-hmm. the 
time, mm-hmm. um, which it sounds to me like you either have one that, it, that or had one that was a resident ghost mm-hmm. or a visitor, a visit, uh, one that would come back and visit the house. Yeah. But, I don't know. That's. A, I mean, it sounds like if this woman was unhappy, she might have just been there all the time, right. hanging around. Right. You know, but like um, an unfulfilled purpose type thing or something, right? Yeah. Or, or like a hanging on to life. Well, and you think about people who get stuck in ruts in their 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 life all the time, who are just like, man, they can't get out of this rut. I mean, it's possible that after yeah. you die, you're just like, you still, even in death, can't get out of that funk or that rut that you've been in your entire life. Mm. Because he said she was unhappy. That yeah. makes me think that she didn't move on for some for some reason. And maybe the the sun is tied to that as well. Who knows? I mean, yeah. that is so weird. It's so weird that he's wearing like a military uniform. Because the thing that strikes me is that the, the house can't, like you said, is twenties, thirties, probably. Right. So why would there be unless unless he's the ghost of of like some cavalry guy or some dude from the Union Army that was out helping establish the West and was out here in the late 1800s would maybe, you know, post-World uh, or post-Civil War might make sense, but otherwise, why would a dude be Maybe it's like a cosplay around? situation. Well, I, mean, I was like going to say, of cosplay. Your, your greatest benefit to this show is letting us know that ghosts can wear the clothes they'd like, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't change their essence. I almost thought of like a ghost changing room, like going through, mm-hmm. no, no, oh, this is nice. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, this man. is more me. This is more me. I'd like to wear this. That's crazy, though. That's I, a great story, though. I mean, those are that's a good ghost story, man. I remember yeah. the first time that I met you guys. I came over and did an episode. Or this is when Totally Lame was doing the first round of the series, and I basically held these two hostage in their own home and made them watch UFO videos. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I think I'd heard you guys talk on the show about being into UFOs as well. Yeah. Now, if you where where do you stand on on UFOs, flying saucers, aliens, all that stuff. Love it. Uh, Have not had a personal experience, but I'm like so down and just, to me, it seems like there's no world in which they can't exist. Right. Sort mm-hmm. of. Do you know anyone in your family, or did you grow up hearing any kind of UFO encounter stories? I went to, um, in college, one of my roommates, Libby, um, her uncle allegedly worked at um, Area 51. 51. Wow. Um, and would tell them growing up, like, someday I'll tell you the mm-hmm. shit. And and I can remember her telling it to me in a way where it was like, for real, for real. Whoa. But that's a, that's my only little That sounds like a good yeah. deathbed confession. Yeah. Because that's when a lot of these old timers will like start spilling the beans. Well, absolutely. When they're, well, if you they're think dying of- and they tell their family like, mm, Roswell really happened. And, <laughs> and then there's, there's a lot of those cases out there because if you think of the personnel it takes to maintain a military base in the middle of a desert, it's it's vast. I mean, so... There's a lot of people working in those those units that have families, and you know I know they fly them in and out of McCarran Airport, out of like uh, I think it's uh, in Reno or something like okay. that, uh, to fly them in there. So you know they they come from all over and they have families all over. And Dave Keith and I, a buddy of mine who's been on the show, he lives back in Kansas City. We did a road trip through Area 51. <laughs> That's what you were saying. Uh, like a few years ago, we saw like I mean it, it's a it's a desolate area there's nothing out there yeah also on that road trip you can hit tonopah you uh utah or nevada which has the haunted clown hotel mm. which you should definitely go check out <laughs> never heard it's of that one clown motel that is decorated with clowns on the outside and the inside like clown dolls and clown paintings Weird. and clown statues 
and there is next door to it, like right next to the parking lot, there is a old, because uh, Tonopah was a silver mining town mm-hmm. during the gold rush and everything, and there there is a old ass cemetery where the headstones are wooden headstones and it's all all these people who died in a silver mine explosion <laughs> and then just people who and it's, it's right literally you could walk outside and it's a stone's throw away from the clown motel so that's got to be like one of the most haunted fucking places <laughs> that's just sounds <clears throat> no bueno but being out in area 51 is really crazy like we literally were driving through we we're past that point and you know you can't get super close but we went to the little alien you can stop stop in there but we were driving along and a fucking huge stealth stealth bomber plane came coming over the mountain range right over our car so there's like definitely they're like okay there you go that was like got our money's worth they're definitely still flying aircraft out there and probably some stuff that we haven't oh yeah it's a very operational base absolutely now they say the they say the next big secret base is, you know, is all, all the conspiracy theorists point to Dulce, um, oh, yeah. New Mexico. That, that's supposed to be where the underground, have you heard of Dulce? No. It's where supposedly there are like uh, multiple underground levels at this military base where they are doing some weird genetic experiments on creating weird hybrid, animal hybrids. There's supposedly aliens being housed yeah, down there. there was a, there was a supposed alien war that took place there too. Is that where the guy, the janitor, the got his Phil, hand melted? Yeah, Phil Schneider and uh, is his name. And tell Andy this story. Well, you can think of it. we'll we'll cover I've, this eventually. I've been he- we have to cover this yes, story. And this deserves a high story because. Yeah. Uh, but it's also one of those stories that also raise a lot of like, oh no, you're going down the dark rabbit hole too oh, on this yeah. one because Dulce is tough because if you get into this the the stories and the mythology around Dulce, it's fucking dark. Yeah, well, because the Phil Schneider guy checks out like his father was pretty high military and and apparently this guy you know went on TV and. Um, I think it was at a UFO convention or something like that, and and basically explained how uh, he was involved in an alien firefight underground in the base, and the guy has the scars to prove it, you know? And an alien supposedly shot his hand with a laser, and his hand's, like, kind of melted and scarred. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, what's unfortunate is he... weird shit out there, dude. ...is he ended up mysteriously... (laughs) uh, ...mysteriously dying, like, a few years later. Did he legit work there? Was that, like, did he have the, like, were they able to prove that he actually worked on this I base. mean nobody's able to prove that they no. I mean okay. uh he he had really good information of architectural scheme schematics of the place and I mean he described it you know uh from top to bottom of how many levels there were it's what one went of on those on each level it's like either the guy is a really good liar and a really entertaining storyteller yeah or or it actually happened well and there's there's been a few like uh um what do you call those informants who don't go on record who have corroborated his story too? Some right. like high per, high level people to um, uh, like uh, yeah say so everything yeah everything he's saying is true. So I mean that's you know because listen Dreamland or Area Fifty One they only officially recognized it in the eighties and you know before that everybody was just like nah it doesn't exist nah it doesn't exist oh, shit. and so now we're at that same position with Dulce it's like you know uh, you know the government doesn't officially recognize it because of course they're not going to but yeah. Obviously, uh, the government holds a secret base somewhere, and it's not dreamland anymore, you know? 
And so for the last 30, 50 years, it's been Dulce. What's Dreamland? Is that what's another name? Call Eric 51? Yeah, it's another name for Air, I, I think more specific the the hangars that they used to house the uh the the crashed uh spacecrafts. They, you know, that was that was kind of their uh their name for it was Dreamland. Got it. So um, Andy, do do aliens scare you? No. So like do you remember the big uh what was the Mm, what's the Tesla rocket company? Oh yeah, the, the Falcon. The X big Falcon thing, thing yeah. that happened in LA recently. Yeah. So when that happened, Elizabeth ran into the house and was like, "You gotta come out here. Come check out this thing that's in the sky." And I go outside. My thought is like, "This is awesome." I do not go to doomsday scenario right. or any fear at all for some reason. Right. Where I know a lot of people are like, "Oh fuck, we're screwed." Uh, but yeah, I'm not scared of the aliens. I'm like excited by them. If you woke up and like that old lady, there were three to four like gray, four foot tall beings with black eyes standing around your bed. Terrified. Okay. That's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you started floating out of your window in a beam of light. Like Terrifying. fire in the sky style. Terrifying. Okay, cool. You, so, you know, you're not yeah. alone though. Being uh, being on that side, that's like you know, open to the idea or or somewhat optimistic about it. I, I forget the name of the study, but they ran a few big studies, kind of you know, going around saying, you know, well, do you do you, would you fear an alien or UFO presence or you know? And they found a majority, almost like seventy to eighty percent, were kind of optimistic about it. Like you yeah. were like, you know, hey, uh, obviously we feel like you know we're not alone in this universe. I mean. You you know, our mathematicians and our scientists are telling us that, and um, it's a mathematical certainty. So people are more open to the idea, and once that gets let in, then they kind of feel like, well, if nothing's happened yet, you know, then they can feel a little bit optimistic about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, who knows? They, they, they say that's sort of like the breadcrumb theory, that we're just being like a little bit kind of, here's a little bit of information, here's a little bit of information. And then, and then you know, openly and, and throughout a long enough period of time, we all become acquiesced to the whole idea of, oh, well, yeah, there's aliens here. I'm just convinced of it, you know. And before they reveal the truth. Yeah, sort Got of. Got it. Or who knows. So ghosts check, aliens check. Where do you stand on Bigfoot? <clears throat> Do you think it's possible that there is a, you know, a species of primate that's living somewhere in North America in the wilderness that has not been officially discovered yet? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> You're like giving it to me. No, I'm just... <clears throat> the Bigfoot one, it just seems... I don't know why it wouldn't have been confirmed by now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What but if, it seems, I guess, plausible, yeah. What if Bigfoot turns out to be a more supernatural creature that can jump in and out of our dimension? Well, that's some cra that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, school me on Bigfoot. I mean, I, I don't know that much about Bigfoot. Right. Uh, what, what, what's your connection to Bigfoot? Did you ever read stories about Bigfoot as a kid? No, you I lived just, in Montana, right? Surely you must have heard some stuff about Bigfoot when you were in Montana. No, never like any personal experiences. I just remember growing up and hearing like some stories and maybe some movies and whatnot. But no, I don't have any like real connection to Bigfoot. Yeah, mm. um, I have a, a vision of him in my mind okay, right let's now. Hear about you it. know, yeah. What is it? Uh, well, yeah, he's very he's very large. Um, looks in between a. A monkey and man. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, you're close. Monk, yeah. I don't know if monkey's the right word. <laughs> yeah, but no. ape, ape, yeah, ape, yeah, ape and man. Uh, is he a gentle soul, or is he? Yeah, that's that's a great question yeah. because I don't think I've I don't know if I've heard of any menacing stories. Is he a menacing character? Sometimes he throws rocks at people to scare them off. Yeah. There's a few different fields, I guess. There's like those, there's like, I know there's a really uh, popular, I think it's called Sasquatch Chronicles, where they don't allow anybody who's like, no, Sasquatch is friendly. They're like, no, we're not having it. You know, red eyes, evil, Sasquatch, that's how it's got to play. Oh, you yeah, know? that they are wow. definitely yeah. ma- um, um, uh, a malevolent a creature. creature. So um, they're believers in Sasquatch. Sure. Which is the exact same thing as Bigfoot? Yeah. They're synonymous? Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Actually, I think Bigfoot be- was originally, uh, I wish David Keith were here, but Bigfoot, I think, originally started off as a folklore character that was more human in appearance and then eventually the the term bigfoot got merged with and became synonymous yeah, the, with I think that the, the papers coined the term bigfoot yeah. after after the uh what was called the Jerry Crude tracks which took place in northern california and i think sasquatch the name sasquatch comes from uh an indigenous tribe and their their naming of that sort of entity and and like world, a hairy wild man yeah, of the and, woods okay. and worldwide around you know most indigenous tribes uh they tell of that mythos of that tale of a large hairy creature you know and theirs is malevolent too a lot of the indigenous tribes is you know they'll they'll take your children and and stuff like that so um but yeah that um which i you know and i also have the camps where a couple people i know that are like you know or the, a lot of those accounts that uh you can read as well but they're bigfoots are very friendly like they'll interplay with different families and more of a harry and, and the henderson, henderson. yeah yeah, yeah no a- abso- <laughs> absolutely um so there's definitely two camps remember um, when john lithgow punched harry in the face. <laughs> uh, that part of the movie, I was so mad. He was trying to get him to go back to the woods, yeah. but that was well. You know, my cool. friend, my friend believes that, uh, and I should have him on the on the show. He's a he's a wonderful guy. Um, he did a film about Bigfoot called Letters Letters from the Big Man. Why are you and just it, bringing this up now? His name is his name is Chris Munch, and he's a wonderful director. And he's a, uh, you know, but he his kind of point of view is that uh, you know if you go out searching to capture this thing, you know, Bigfoot's going to know about it either psychically or, or through your smell or through your presence. They have the, uh, the upper hand looking, but if, if you're out there to communicate on, on some sort of a, on a spiritual plane, if you're not going out there with guns and out there with like looking to get pictures and that you have a much higher chance to interact with this creature. You know? I always thought it'd be cool if Bigfoot had the ability to blur himself in photos. And that's why there's only blurry photos of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was like, there was a Superman comic about 10 years ago where like, so you like Superman would like, if he knew that there, because he's Superman, he he knows what's going on. But if like someone was taking a picture of him, he'd blur his face really. He'd move his face right. really quick. So when the negative came out, his face would be blurred, so you couldn't identify him as easily <laughs> yeah. in the press. I wish Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot. That'd be awesome if Bigfoot had that ability. I mean, who knows what ability Bigfoot well, has? So, do you guys think he is um, more evolved than? Well, well, or, you know what I mean? Like, is he supernatural? I'll tell you where I, I lie on it. I do not feel that this is some, like, missing, uh, 
link. Uh, missing link that's, uh, you know, um, just who we haven't discovered yet, who lives uh, his entire life in the woods and feeds off the creatures of the woods to survive and and has kids and those, you know, I, I, I otherwise I just believe that we, we, we would have captured one or had better evidence of one, you know. Um, I think these things move in and out of dimensions. I, you know, and and listen, it's very much like the UFO lore because UFOs also leave physical trace evidence. I mean, you know, uh, burnings in fields, you know, um, scars, marks, and stuff like that. But they also disappear. Sometimes like uh, imprints from landing gear. Yeah, show th- up. those are the most common. Yeah, but but they also seem to just disappear like you're turning off a light, like right out of existence. Yeah. So. Um, A lot of the stuff that we get into, and as the show progresses, we start to, um, I I mean, I think Bryce has always been in this camp. I'm opening up to it more and more that a lot of these things seem to take on is uh, a very, almost a psychic phenomenon as well, or mm -hmm. something that some of the stuff is either, it seems to take, and I'm repeating myself, I said this on the show, but it seems that some of these encounters require the, the user, you, and the other thing that you're experiencing to create what that other thing appears uh, appears as. That's interesting because there's there's so an interplay much between weirdness the... in this stuff, and yeah. we're, we're, we'll jump, we'll take a break, and we'll come back in just a moment uh, and do our story of high strangers. But you'll see in today's story, there's it's kind of there's something about about this where. There's something weird going on. I mm. think it's not just. I don't think these things are just aliens from other planets or apes that we can't find in the woods. Now, I think those are possibilities, but there seems to be some weirder phenomenon happening with all of this stuff that science has not been yet able to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's universal um, themes in yes, like I guess with like you guys know a lot about this with aliens. There's Story after story of similar yes. experiences or similar going, looking going, creatures, going right? All the way back to like Celtic folklore and fairy folklore, where if you get into the, some of the fairy stories, fairy tales, not the like Grimm's fairy tales, but like stuff about like what people believe the little people were, yeah. they're very similar to the way that we talk about aliens. Okay. So, anyway, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for High Strangeness. Cool. Hey everyone, this is Riley. I wanted to let you know we've launched our Patreon page. It's a place where listeners can help support the show and gain access to exclusive bonus content. For $5 a month, our Patreon members get special episodes like our Campfire Stories, Movie Club, and Out There episodes, where we explore our own little place in the cosmos. We also post behind-the-scenes conversations that happen during the breaks and all sorts of other bonuses. We put a lot of love into these episodes, and we make a lot of them. They're a deeper level of the show where we expand on ideas and concepts from our main feed. Our weekly show will, of course, always remain free, but for $5 a month, our Patreon members will gain full access to the inner sanctum of the BCC. We hope you'll join us there. That's patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back, Bigfoot Collectors Club, and it's time for High Strangeness with our guest, Andy Rosen. Mm-hmm. Deep in Northern California lies an expanse of wilderness in Placer County called Cisco Grove. Located in Tahoe National Forest, this mountainous landscape frequented by campers and hikers would be the perfect setting for a Sasquatch encounter. In fact, if you go to YouTube right now and search Cisco Grove, California Sasquatch, you'll find a video from 2017 featuring remote control car enthusiasts allegedly capturing a glimpse of the forest creature on camera in the background. Ooh. Go check it out. I don't believe I've ever seen that one. It's uh, questionable. However... (laughs) The encounter that Donald Shroom experienced in 1964 would be far more bizarre than a Bigfoot sighting. Far more out of this world. Like, really, really out there. This is the insane story of the Cisco Grove UFO encounter. Mm. Have you heard about this one, Bryce? I have. This one is awesome. I heard this maybe on Coast to Coast about eight or nine years ago. And it's a story, well, as you'll see, that hadn't really gotten out into the public until around 2010, 2012. So it's a really, really cool one. Very bizarre. I'm too. excited that his name is Donald Shroom. Yeah. That's a really pretty picture. S H R U M. Okay. Now, close enough. <clears throat> It wasn't quite yet rifle season on September 4th, 1964, but that didn't stop 28-year-old Donald Shroom, an employee of Aerojet, the nation's leading missile contractor for the U.S. government, and his two colleagues, Vincent Alvarez and Tim Trueblood, from going on a deer hunt, armed only with bows and arrows. Oh, okay. So this is how... Um, this <laughs> I is thought they like, we, who needs laws? <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, these guys probably would be, but uh, yeah, they were carrying these giant, like, 60-pound bows Bow-hunters. that at point-blank range would be as as strong as a, as a, as a rifle shot, and that's important later. But... Um, I didn't mention this, but this Cisco Grove, California, this is up near like Sacramento. This is kind of in the Northern California. It's near the uh, Nevada uh, border, Mm -hmm. California border. Now, these three men were experienced hunters and woodsmen. And after they set up camp and went out to hunt, they made a pact that if they were to get separated, they would meet back at the campsite. If it got dark and one of them was still separated from the group, that person was to stay put for the night and return to camp after dawn. So these guys are badasses. Mm-hmm. They're like, fuck it. They're bears out here. So I'm just going to hike it up and and uh, hold up tight for the night and I'll go back at dawn. So these guys, they knew the woods. They've been doing this before um, many times. Uh, and uh, Donald Shrum had come prepared, armed with a military-style utility belt that contained rations and a harness that would allow him to sleep safely in a tree without falling out. Not, un- not unlike Batman, really. Mm-hmm. So the men hunted, and eventually during the hunt, Donald found himself away from the group with nightfall fast approaching. How big was the group? Now, three guys. Okay. Just three guys hunting. They're just on a hunting trip for the weekend. 
And uh, sticking to the agreed-upon plan, Donald climbed up a tree overlooking a scenic bluff and nestled in for a long night. He had no idea just how long that night would be. Dang. Like, <laughs> really, really long. <laughs> and weird. And cold. God. But mostly fucking weird. Just after dark, Donald noticed a spotlight moving through the sky. His first thought was that his friends had gotten worried about his disappearance and radioed a rescue helicopter to come find him. So Donald climbed down the tree and set two signal fires and started waving the aircraft towards him. And that's exactly what it did. It spotted the stranded hunter and started flying towards him. Mm. And he says in an interview that uh, it looked at first like this uh, light was just about, you know, he couldn't tell how far off it was. It just looked like a helicopter spotlight coming at him. Just maybe just, a, you know, an eight inch wide spotlight shining in his direction. But as the aircraft approached, Donald became quickly unnerved at how silent it was. As it turned at an angle about 75 feet from his location, he could see that the aircraft was cylindrical-shaped with rounded ends. He could see illuminated panels running perpendicular down the hall, three of them. He judged it to be around 150 feet long. Mm. He immediately thought, that thing is from outer space, and would later refer to it as the mothership. Wow. Fearing for his safety, Donald tossed his bow up into the tree and scrambled back up the trunk. He stared at the craft as it hung like a dark ghost in the night sky and watched in bewilderment as one of the panels opened and a second craft, one Donald would go on to call the scout ship, emerged. This craft descended into the canyon below before reappearing moments later over the bluff. Donald could see that it was, a much, sm it was much smaller than the mothership, and it was shaped sort of like a saucer. In Donald's words, he said, when I saw that it had landed up on the ridge, I could see part of the top, but it had a little light on it. It looked like the top of a flying saucer, like I'd seen in pictures, like a dome. So, uh, you know, I kept my eyes on that. Hell yeah. Donald waited with bated breath for what came next. It wasn't long before he could hear brambles crunching below, the sound of crunching twigs and leaves getting closer. Something was moving towards him through the brush. Donald reached for his bow as two beings casually emerged from the bushes. Donald said, I heard some thrashing through the brush, probably five, ten minutes. These two humanoids come out of the brush, and they kind of broke some of the brush off and was looking at it. And then they came straight under the tree, and I knew right then that I was fingered. Hmm. The beings were about four to five feet tall and dressed in silver jumpsuits with puffy joints. Again, Donald said, they looked four to five feet. Of course, I'm looking down at them so they could be shorter, and they probably are. They had, or shorter than they probably are. They had a, sil they had a silvery, like, one-piece suit on, and it seemed like it had the, the joints, puffy joints, you know, with the shoulders and elbows. Their faces were hidden in shadow, but Donald could make out their dark eyes about two inches in diameter as the being stopped beneath the tree and stared up at him. He said the dark, circular eyes looked almost like welding goggles. It was immediately, immediately clear to the corner uh, hunter that the creatures were coming to get him. Mm -hmm. he climbed up, uh, they climbed upon a boulder beneath the tree and started climbing the tree, reaching for Donald. Kicking and screaming, the poor man was able to back them off temporarily before the beings began the, 
the ascent again. This pattern of climbing and then kicking the beings away continued for some time until eventually the creatures changed tactics. Donald could see two glowing orbs moving through the woods towards him, accompanied by heavy footsteps. With growing dread, Donald looked on as some type of mechanical entity emerged from the brush with flickering red eyes as if flames were embedded within a furnace within its face. The beings had called for backup. The robot, as he called it, waved its hand over the signal fires Donald had lit and extinguished their flames. It was just Donald, the three beings, and the dark now. The robot positioned himself under the tree and adjusted something on the side of its face. The mechanical man's jaw opened and a gas or vapor started pouring out of its head and wafted up into the branches where Donald sat. And he got dizzy and passed out. Strange. Now, moments later, Donald found himself coming to dizzy from the gas and he reached for an arrow and shot at the robot igniting sparks as the arrowhead made contact with its torso. He said he shot this thing from about eight feet away, and it would have, it would have been like a, like a rifle shot. So he passed out, and then he woke he back out, up. woke up, so he wasn't <clears throat> gone. Still there. He wasn't out for too long. In and out of consciousness. Yeah, in and out, blacking out. Um, the feeble attempt uh, d- uh, did seem to make the creature back a few feet away. Oh, sorry. Uh, I lost my place. Sorry. The robot stumbled back, and the humanoid creatures fled into the bushes. Feeling bolstered, Donald fired his two final arrows at the robot, but none of them penetrated the mental menace. The mental menace. As the standoff continued, the alien creatures came back out of the bushes, and Donald grabbed some matches from his belt. He lit his cap on fire and tossed it down to scare the creatures back. Now, they did uh, seem to back up a few feet away, weary of fire, and Donald watched as the mothership suddenly flew off to a distance that made it seem just the size of a star in the sky but the aliens surely they must be aliens proved to be stubborn at times the creatures seemed to communicate with one another through flashes of light and donald heard audible noises that could have been mistaken for the hooting of owls now the standoff continued for 12 hours the robot gassing donald donald waking up to find the aliens climbing the tree and then donald desperately setting an item of clothing on fire and hurling it below oh, God. at one point he even dug change out of his pocket and threw it at his attackers <laughs> the humanoids seem intrigued by the coins examining them before holding on to the money for keeps he even wrapped his compass in his shirt and lit that on fire tossing it into the bushes in hopes of starting a forest fire to quote unquote alert the cavalry the things things climaxed just before dawn as the beings called out a second robot, which greeted the original and seemed to beam some type of ray into its brethren. At that point, the original robot shot out a heavier, more powerful gas, which enveloped Donald once again, causing him to lose consciousness. <laughs> Donald awoke just as the sun was rising, hanging from his harness, his head down, his feet down. The aliens were gone. He made his way back to camp, shivering in his T-shirt and jeans. When Vincent and Tim found him, they could tell that something had gone down to traumatize their friend. He slept for six hours in the tent and then woke to tell his buddies about everything that had just happened. Now, this is interesting. Vincent Alvarez was the first to comfort Donald, telling him that he believed him because he, too, had seen a strange light flying through the night sky that evening before. Hmm. Then the men all agreed, however, that Donald should keep his mouth shut. They were worried if his story got out, he'd sound crazy and he might lose his job at Aerojet. Yeah, you think? 
yeah, big, like, they're building missiles for the military. Yeah. And this is something he was really, he was freaked out about. How was your weekend, Don? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Man, and, robots, tiny puffy jacket dudes. Yeah, and as crazy <laughs> as this story is, you'll see as we go on, uh, he experienced some real post-traumatic stress yeah, I bet. from this. Um, uh, and he did tell his family. Uh, and his mother-in-law passed a story along to an astronomer she knew, thinking that he might be able to offer some insight into the strange encounter. The, astro- the astronomer, however, reported the incident to officials at the nearby McClellan Air Force Base. It wasn't long after that that Donald was visited by two G-men who took him in for questioning. So now we get the men in black coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, Donald relayed his story and handed over his recovered arrowheads, which reportedly contained metal scraps from the hole of the robot on, on their tips. Donald would later find out that the men were not actually from, uh, from McClelland, but Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. The G-men would ensure Donald that what he saw was nothing, at one point even suggesting that he had simply encountered a Boy Scout troop. Mm. <laughs> right. You know, in a giant Fair. flying tic-tac sure. with robots. They also suggested, uh, changing their story a number of times, that he had just encountered uh, a, a band of... Um, renegade Japanese soldiers that had been <laughs> hanging out in the Pacific Northwest since sure. World War II. Right. Um, so they had also a sort of uh, racist explanation as well. Um, and they told him to forget about the whole thing, but Donald Shroom couldn't soon forget. He started experiencing night terrors, his wife waking to him, screaming the words, those eyes. And not long after the encounter, he brought his family out to the location where he had been, uh, where the whole thing had taken place, and noticed that the area had been recently excavated, and numerous cigarette butts that littered the freshly raked ground suggested to Donald that a government team had been out there collecting mm. samples in the dirt and checking the area out. Fortunately, Donald was able to keep his job at Aerojet and didn't go public with the story for 40 years. The case was investigated by NICAP at the time and held in high regard by UFOlogist J. Allen Hynek as one of the best cases of the 1960s alongside the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill and the Pascalua, Mississippi encounter, two stories that we will do on this show eventually. However, Shrum's name wasn't revealed until the case was dug up by MUFON around 10 years ago and was recorded uh, by Noe Torres and Ruben uh, Uriarte in their book, Aliens in the Forest. Mm. It remains one of the most bizarre and strange UFO cases to this day. Yeah, that is strange, man. And here, I'll show you. Here's a picture of the craft. We'll put this up on Instagram and Facebook. Here's a picture of the craft that he saw. You can see the the three elongated panels that he called windows in this ship coming out. And here are the creatures emerging from the, uh, the bushes. And then these are uh, depictions of the aliens and the robot that were um, sort of uh, drawn, I think, around the time, according to uh, Donald's descriptions. So he told investigators about this, but he just didn't go public. And they, and whenever referred to this case, his name was a pseudonym. He wanted 
no notoriety from this. And it was only later uh, mm. that his family, his grandkids, they, you know, because this was a family, famous family story, they wanted it recorded in a book because they felt like it was important part of their familial history and something that happened to their grandfather and their father. So that's Jeez. when um, he finally decided to tell this this uh, story to, two, to those two reporters in that book, Aliens in the Forest. Wow. So that's the story of Donald Shrum and the Cisco Grove Alien Encounter. When we come back, we're going to ask our guest, Andy, what the hell was that? Andy, what was that? And we're back, and it's time for What, what the, the Hell, hell was, was That? Andy, if you had to guess, what do you think's going on here? Well, those renderings are interesting because they're not typical no. alien renderings. No. Uh, they more look like humans in a menacing yep. suit. Yeah, yeah. Almost so, cartoonish. Yeah. You know? Yeah, how, I would mean, you des- how would you describe... Well, this one, this one robot I'm looking looking at. I mean, it just looks like a he 1960s looks like a kids toys robot, kids toys, yeah. 1960s science 60s. fiction yeah. robot. Again, we have a case like the Flatwoods Monster, uh, like the Verona's UFO la- landing that was behind the Iron Curtain in 1989, where yeah. we have these sort of 1950s B movie aliens yeah. showing. No, up. these are not mm. your Travis Walton Fire in the Sky no. aliens. No, right. And in, in, in the first time while I was researching this story, I was thinking, I think the first time we really encountered the alien greys that are kind of the typical ones you're describing was in the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case, Mm. which was in the 60s. And I think that was, what, 68, 69? Was it a little earlier than that? I think I want to say earlier. 62? I'd have to look it up. Um, But... Um, and then there were some illustrations of an entity that uh, the magician Alistair Crowley was uh, uh, allegedly contacting that he called uh, Lamb, I think, L-A-M. Mm. And he, that entity looked more like an alien gray as well. But really, up through this, the Kelly Hopkins, uh, the, the Hopkinsville Goblins. Yeah. Um, that we discussed back in episode four with Paul F. Tompkins. Those were sort of 1950 monster movie creatures. So we have this idea that perhaps there's this period of time when these entities, whether they're from outer space or from another dimension, are sort of going through a trial period of how to present themselves oh, that's an in this new century. Yeah. And sort of borrowing the imagery from movies. Uh, and then the movies are sort of recycling that back into the public consciousness. Now, is that the observer's uh, psychic consciousness? Or is that like, yeah, like you said, a, a planned play? Because you he know, even you know said in the story, he said, like I've seen in the, mo- in the pictures. What's interesting, though, is it's also intermeshed with some modern alien UFO folk I mean that tic tac shaped mothership with uh, with uh, other ships coming out of it. That's mm-hmm. that stuff we see in in you know in very recent like you know camera phone video yeah. footage. Uh, this is where it gets strange for me because it's like this is what I'm talking about. Obviously, something the observer. 
I just feel has to play a part in this or whatever's happening. Because if you try and make sense of this, there's a guy in a tree. Now, aliens can pull you out of your bedroom through a tractor beam and up into their ship and out into space, right? But yet here's two alien creatures. They bring in their robots and they can't get a guy out of a tree. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if it was, forget the robot for a minute. Let's just say it's two men Yeah, that come to get you and you're up in a tree. Yeah. It feels like that ordeal doesn't last 12 hours, right? Right. right. That's like, what I'm talking about. That's that's one of my biggest question marks on us. Then you add in the alien and the gas thing, and it's gas that only puts him out for a minute, yeah, and then so, he comes back. Right, and so he's weird. in and out of consciousness, yeah. which means when he's out, they couldn't just, you know, get him. Well, so he had a couple theories about this. Now, I have to say that you can you can go and you can find these interview clips with Donald Trump. He's speaking about it as an old man. And I have to say, listening to this guy tell this story, it feels very real to him. And it feels like he is telling the truth of his experiences. Yeah. He's very calm. He's not at all a sensationalist. He doesn't sound like he's spinning a yarn. At times, he almost sounds embarrassed to be opening up about this stuff. At times, you can hear in the reporters. Well, said those that are the right markers. The author yeah. said that he would get he would well up with tears and get emotional, and you can hear him even kind of choking on his words a little bit. So it is very like. You listen to this guy who sounds like a salt-of-the-earth kind of grandpa telling this story, and it's not like, kids, gather around, let me tell you the story about the time that grandpa found mm-hmm. a couple of aliens, scared, scared him up a tree, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of very, and his details are very specific. He has a very consistent account of how things played out. Um, and one of the things that he, I think, I guess, uh, thought was that the creatures had been there for another purpose, maybe just collecting samples from the forest, kind of E.T. style, Mm. and had not come equipped with any type of weaponry. And finding him was sort of a happy accident, but he was convinced that uh, they they wanted to collect him or get something from him as a sample. But maybe the... They had trouble getting to him because they were not prepared. Mm. They weren't prepared for this type of encounter, which is also weird. And it's still weird if you think if you have a ship that uh, can cross a dimensional rift you, yeah. or cross an inter- interstellar uh, distance. You think your scout you patrol would have a, out of a, 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 laser, a laser gun. Right. Yeah, but think about us in the technology we have. We're assuming these aliens are way more advanced than us. But let's just fast forward 100 years from now, and we go somewhere like Mars, right, in our little spacecraft, and we have our suit on that we have to get out into this environment. It might be kind of hard for us to take down That's a great point. Somebody that, If you found, like, a local, if, say, you got to Mars and turned out there are, like, uh, beings there that are high up. In a tree. And you don't have a ladder. You don't have something to get to. You know, I don't know. And you're like, what about that thing that we used to gas? Maybe the gas will knock him out. Well, and what's and our two bots on been, Mars? I think yeah. if he hadn't been strapped to the tree in that harness, he would have fallen out and they would have gotten it. Yeah. But it is a very, it's a weird thing. He also said, he, um, 
I guess in the years that followed, he would get a buzzing in his ear, and mm. he would say that's when he knew that they were close by. Mm. I guess at one time, he and his family were all out camping. This is years later. It's like a decade. He's still to... camping? He's still know, an outdoors right? guy? I know. Brave. <laughs> well, right. he said that um, they were all hanging out in the woods, camping, and suddenly he got this really heavy buzzing ringing sound in his ear that only he could hear and he looked off to a mountain range to the ridge and moments later a ufo came up over the ridge and hovered over his family and they all saw it oh my gosh and it took off and they said how did you know that that thing was coming and he said i knew i i got a signal that they were on their way yeah and he was scared that they were coming to get him again yeah i would be too but hmm. it's just strange i mean what if all of this, too, is like some latent ability that we don't know that people have where they can project almost these well, it's almost, hallucinations yeah. or these things? That's interesting. The experience does seem real yeah, to him. Yeah. I, that seems to be the more plausible part of everything to me. The other part is like maybe it's just some asshole uh, Boy Scouts that came into this too. <laughs> some Japanese I Boy mean, Scouts. So the experience was real, but <laughs> yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. are just real a-holes. But it is such a, I mean, it's a fascinating story, and we have at least one corroborating witness that saw lights in the sky. Now, yeah. maybe he just said that to back up his buddy, but this guy wasn't looking for publicity. He, it was years. It was kind of like uh, Albert Osman when he was kidnapped by Bigfoot, supposedly. He didn't tell his story yeah. for 30 or 40 years well, later. And the, and the fact that you said J. Allen Hynek, I mean, he was the father of Project Blue Book. Uh, the Air Force's government-funded program into investigating UFOs thought this was one of their more stellar cases. Oh, wow. Says a lot to me about this case. And then you follow it up with uh, a visit from a couple, uh, as you call them, G-men, who are asking to investigate and hear his account. This is all all very common in these strange, strange it's cases. I love the cigarette detail I that, know. like, the government would go like do all this work, but they yeah. leave their cigarette. Government men. That, yeah. that seems appropriately 1960s. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. something out of the Mad Men. It's yeah, like totally. When, it's not like in Mad Men when they're picnicking and they clean their blanket by just tossing all their trash. <laughs> right. Right. Oh it's my so, gosh. I mean, it's like that kind of makes sense, you know? Man, uh, who but knows? That is so. It's so bizarre. But it's it's again. It's, this is like such a great example of high strangeness. Like yeah. it doesn't quite make sense, but it's so real to the person who encountered it. Well, and that's why I just can't get behind. Like you know that the uh, I guess what you would call it the uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis that you know here's some alien civilization from Zeta Reticuli coming down. And, uh, you know, sending out a scout patrol into the forest and then beep, boop, bop, puffy jacket, <laughs> yeah. get down the tree and then shoot I gas out my mouth yeah. and yeah. let's call in the other robot, whatever, you know. I, I don't count, don't discount for one second that something incredible happened there. And maybe whatever these things is, this vast amount of energy and this small amount of space give off such a radiation that it interplays with the observer's yeah, mind. And, the, and this is how and they... And the image that they're present. Maybe they are sort of formless beings. Yeah. Or maybe they look one way, but the way we see them, either because of the dimension they come from or whatever's happening, some residual thing... It's left for the observer to interpret that image and and project its appearance on it. Well, sure, you know what I mean, but yeah. the difference between the robot and the guys in yeah. the drawings that yeah. 
isn't that difference? Isn't there a possibility that like, you know, Joe and Rob go out and they're having a hard time. They call them back to the ship and they're like, I don't know, Larry, put on the big yeah. suit oh, totally. and go out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's maybe he just a third person could, or a yeah. third he, yeah, thing. Yeah, he just called it the robot because he said he was bigger right. or he was more mechanical. But to me, looking. it's like almost they called for backup. It's like, well, you better put on that other yeah, suit. Well, it, yeah, well, it sounds like whatever these things are, are in suits. I mean, the, almost the way he describes the silver jumpsuits with the puffy stuff and the goggles, that sounds like a hazmat suit to me so it could be that these beings are in some type of weird jumpsuit yeah well that wouldn't be the only case where the whatever the uh supposed alien are in some strange suit yeah i mean in in the joints we have puffy joints on uh astronaut suit you know on on uh, nasa suits you can see those like puffy almost michelin man joints it's almost like whatever this is whatever intelligence this is can take on kind of whatever role they want they can change their features they can change yeah. the the event they that's can... why i always go back to when we did the zamfreda abductions and these there were these beings that abducted this italian security guards allegedly but they were they almost seemed like really bad at the at playing the role of alien like <laughs> their stuff was just like a, somewhere was lost in translation it was yeah. like this does not make sense the stuff that they're doing and so i wonder if sometimes these entities when they cross over or come here to interact with us the the mask they're wearing or the role that they're playing that's hiding what they really are sometimes is like a bad idea of they're trying to be like this is what we think humans think aliens are so we're gonna we're or gonna more, act like that yeah or more specific hmm. this is what we can use from this person's mind right. to interplay this frequency this is how we'll show up you know right because if you think about it it's like you know, you're only your your mind is really only like the words you know and the and the books you've read and you know what I mean. So if if this guy's brain frequency is is almost it's like it's picking up on something. You know, they have to use what's already in there in order to interplay with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and who knows the the motive behind that interplay? I mean, yeah. obviously, like you know, like you said, he saw another UFO decades later. So this isn't a one off incident. You know, no. and he and he has some sort of like and I don't think radar had, about them being uh, out there. Uh, and you I, know? as far as I know, he didn't ever go undergo hypnotherapy or anything. Probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> so who knows? This guy could have had experiences like Whitley Strieber did his whole life and not really known about Ooh, it. You know, and this yeah. is the one that he was sort of consciously aware of. I don't know. So do you think it's a hallucination? No, I'm not saying hallucination. No, no, no. It seems like a real event. It's interesting. I don't know if I buy into the... like that the aliens are... they that they would have the ability to like take on this other guys mm. but then couldn't like get this thing out of a tree I like know. that they would have That's that the... i have a hard time reckoning with well i like how what you said i mean i you know when you pointed out like hey we have rovers on mars you know let's say uh one of the spirit rovers finds some tree on mars and there's a creature up it he would have a hard time getting that creature right. down yeah yet alone that's alien technology that's our alien technology right. on another planet maybe all of those things were robots yeah you know maybe there was no biological entity and the, there's oh they maybe just drop off thing that the ship is being controlled by a distant intelligence that's like trying to command okay try to get them you know they're remote controlling them from a great distance and they're like right. i can't get this guy out of the street fuck it let's just go home <laughs> yeah let's just get those plant samples and head back you know strange what? we'll never know uh it's time to wrap up the show once again i want to thank our guest andy rosen oh, thanks for, for having me yeah Buddy, dude, what a uh, pleasure. where can people find your work 
Where can people listen to your music? What can, uh, what yeah, can my do? website is uh, produced by andyrosen.com. That's probably the easiest. Cool. And I'm on Instagram as Dr. Rosen Rosen. Great, great. Those That's are awesome, two man. great spots to I find me. It. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. And all, of course, Totally Lame every Monday. Uh, that's a great, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it's every I Monday. I subscribe to it. Okay, so great. I get it every yeah, yeah. Monday. I don't know morning. when it's dropping. I, I, I listen to it when I walk my doggies. Oh, that's amazing. Do you drive? You're on. Are you guys still on Earwolf? No, network? no, no, no so not you anymore. Do, are you? Are you networkless? Networkless, just like us. We're indie. Nah, totally. Too. Keeping do you, it do, indie. Do you, do you drop all of it on your own? Do you do all that stuff? I don't do any of this stuff oh, okay. anymore. Cool. You I used it. to back in the day. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. It's all me texting Riley at 11 p.m. being like, "Hey, friendly <laughs> reminder, where's the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to bed soon. I'm just drinking coffee. Yeah, I'm like, oh, sorry, no. buddy. Can we go back and add that thing in that we were gonna do? Um, well, thank you so much, oh, man. Thanks for having um, me, guys. This was a blast. Uh, Riley, where 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 can people find you? Um, what, what shall I plug this week? Uh, Whatever you want. Spindrift's doing some shows this summer, Great. so check that out if you're into psychedelic Western music. Uh, that's all. Cool. Bryce? Hey, um, you know, we really appreciate all of our new listeners uh, checking us out. And if you could only just take the second to find us on iTunes, rate and review us. Oh, it'd be we a, really appreciate a tre- oh, yeah. Tremendous help to the show. Mm-hmm. Tell us why that's so important. It's, it changes the game. Yeah. You get those iTunes reviews come in, it makes you feel real good, makes you sleep better at night. <laughs> yeah, it does. But it makes that, that iTunes algorithm kick in. Oh, we I, like I want to say this is our 25th episode. Oh, oh I should have wow. mentioned this. Awesome. And we started, I, I mentioned this last week uh, with Elizabeth, but then I went and did the math. This is our six-month mark right here. This oh, episode. wow. That's yeah. incredible. Congrats, so, guys. A huge thanks to our audience. Nice. And uh, guys, we, you know, we are really doing this all ourselves. This is just word of mouth. We appreciate it. And we would appreciate it if you could just spread the word of the show. If you like the show, tell one friend. Tell a couple friends. Please post about it on your Facebook pages. We're just really trying to get more people into the show. We want to keep doing this. And, you know, it's great um, that we've been able to grow the audience as much as we have already. But also, we, we count on you guys so much. Thank Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and you can find me on all the the, the stuffs at McMill's. Follow us, Bigfoot Collectors Club, everywhere uh, you can. And yeah, thank you so much, everybody. We'll we'll we'll, we'll be around for at least another six months. No diggity, <laughs> no <laughs> till, doubt. Until we prove that aliens do exist. Oh, we will. And we're done. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.
Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.